I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. Come inside the Flaming Yoni. And explore the depths, folds, and crevices of the Yoniverse. Hi, honey. Mm-hmm. Hello, Priestess Anya. Hello, Salacious One. Oh, my goodness. So we are here in the Yoniverse, back at it again. And, like, I'm noticing right now that you are bathed in sunlight. We usually record at night, so really can summon in that kind of cosmos energy. But we are smack dab in the high noon of the day. Well, at least where I am. Uh, (laughs) And, like, there's just this beautiful, like, aura of sunlight, which I just think is so appropriate and illuminating for what we're going to bring forth today. And I'm feeling it. It feels juicy to me. I know. It feels so juicy. It feels good. Honestly, too, I mean, we really enjoy our late night recording sessions, but also like I'm feeling fresh. I feel rested. Yeah. I don't yeah. feel like I've like run a million races before we got to the point where we're sitting down today. So it just feels really good to kind of kick off the day this way instead of end it. So maybe we'll have to do some more of that in the future. But yeah, I appreciate it. I've got I've got a glow, huh? That you do for sure. And I still have my blackout curtains, but you can see it peeking from behind here. But I really, uh, okay, so this this is so important and we haven't had the opportunity to chat about it on the show yet. But after the, the conversation that we had with the incredible Lex from Talk Sex with Lex, mm-hmm. you and I had a discussion where we just, we just felt such and feel such immense gratitude for all that Lex brought forth with her story, with the deep emotional share that she brought forth about her experience, her birthing experience and the trauma related to that. And we just felt so inspired by her willingness to share with us and with our, you know, stars in the universe that we, we really wanted to give folks an opportunity to engage with this topic being the disproportionate maternal morbidity rates of black women in America And this has been a very, very close happening in society and and injustice in society for me because Texas, the state where I live, is one of the states that has the highest rate of Black maternal morbidity. In fact, you know, even though Black women account for only 11% of live births in this state, they make up 31% of maternal deaths. And this is just an injustice that occurs every single day in these women who are dreaming of having a family expanding their families they deserve culturally appropriate trauma-informed care that takes in minds their needs and listens 90 percent of these feminine deaths are avoidable and preventable and that that is just it literally like the feeling in my body hearing mm. that it's we hear these statistics all the time but the individual lives and families and communities behind this this has got to come to an end and we have got to devote all of our resource everything to ensuring that these women's lives and their children's lives are matter and are protected and so we decided to run a fundraiser on our social media on our instagram specifically to benefit the Black Mamas Matter Alliance. And just so you can learn a little bit about them, they're a national network of Black women-led 
and Black-led birth and reproductive justice organizations and a multidisciplinary professionals working alongside the full spectrum of maternal and reproductive health. And you mentioned, you know, we didn't even realize the serendipity. We are currently in Black Maternal Health Week here in the U.S. And I love the theme that they chose for this year, which is our bodies belong to us, restoring Black autonomy and joy. And so we are currently running this fundraiser. We'll be running it for the next 22-ish days. And we want to absolutely exceed our goal. So please go to Anya's Instagram, go to my Instagram. You know, Anya, why don't you give your handle and so that folks can find it? Yeah, absolutely. You'll put it in the show notes as well, but it's just at Priestess Anya and Scarlett is? At Salacious underscore Scarlett. And we really ask of you, if you can give anything, even if it's a dollar or two, we just want to show this incredible organization doing life-saving work, how much we appreciate the work that they do to uplift Black families. So please, please consider that. Um, thank you. Thank you in advance, because I know you're going to donate already. I think it's also just really important to underscore what you said about the statistics, because when we hear statistics, they kind of go over our head, mm. but literally like think about the numbers, think about the people in your life, think about the women in your life and think about their voices not being heard. Think about your daughters not being heard. Sure. Think about your partners not being heard. Think about the people that you love not being heard by medical professionals and ignoring what they know to be true in their bodies. And we know that women's reproductive rights are at stake in this country in general. And when it comes to receiving the proper health care that they need, how often are we all just overlooked mm -hmm. because other people think they know better than the wisdom that we carry in our bodies? So to Scarlett's point, it's so important to show support however we can, whether it be through boosting of the social posts that we have, through time that we can share and donate for these types of causes, but nothing speaks louder than throwing your financial support behind it, even if it's just a dollar or two or five or 10 or whatever you can give. So transitioning <laughs> to today, we are bringing a topic to you today that is on its face, maybe going to be a little confusing because you might be thinking, how does one's astrological chart, how does one's personality really fit in with sexual empowerment and femme empowerment? But we're going to get there. We're going to bridge this gap for you because Scarlett and I have... I wouldn't call it mild. I would call it a relatively aggressive <laughs> obsession with a modality called human design. And we have known that we wanted to bring information about human design to our audience since before we actually even started recording. And one day I walk into my hair salon and I have the most amazing stylist, Nicole, here in Denver. And whenever I come into her space, I meet people that I'm just meant to be in alignment with. And I meet yes. people that are just so synchronistic for me and whatever topics are alive for me in my life right now. And the day that I walked into her studio and met this woman, Taylor, Taylor Corey, she's going to be our guest today. Uh, we just started talking right away about 
human design and my human design. I gave her my chart and she started like geeking out on it right away and just like kind of telling me little things here and there. And then Nicole was like, well, you know, Anya has a podcast and they talk about like sex and sexuality. And I was like, oh, but we want to talk about human design so badly. I would love, love, love to bring you on the show. So we started texting right after that. And it's taken us a little time to get it all together. But Taylor has been a human design professional for years. And we are just so delighted to have you on the show today, Taylor. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Flaming Yoni. And we cannot wait to bring your wisdom to our audience. Thank you so, so much for having me. I am so stoked to be here with both of you. And Anya and Scarlett, I just have to say how much I love what you're doing and the voices that you both have and what you're sharing in the community you're creating. And yeah, I'm just stoked to have this conversation about the inner intersection of all these things that we love, pleasure and play and human design and all the things. All the things. And we were so delighted and honored to be able to sit with Taylor the other night for an hour and a half. I think we sat and went through both Scarlet and my charts and how we operate in this world and how we intertwine well and being business partners and friends and lovers and all the things. We just decided that we needed to do this deep dive together and then have Taylor come on the show to kind of talk us through things. So we've been riding a high since we sat with Taylor two nights ago, and we could not wait to bring her back on today. So Taylor, tell us a little bit about how human design found you and and how you have now gotten to the point where you've committed your life to this amazing modality. Yeah. Um, great question. <laughs> I first found human design back in 2008. Some friends of mine, I was living in Denver at the time and some friends of mine were talking about it. They were also really into like numerology and Enneagram and astro- like everyone was just kind of into all the things. And at that point in my life, I was pretty interested in Vedic astrology. I was studying yoga and going to go to India and into all the, you know, the Vedas. So it wasn't that I wasn't open to like other systems and alternative practices. I was actually very open to it. But for some reason, when it was presented to me, I was super resistant. I was like, this is ridiculous. They kept trying to talk to me about numbers and what my numbers were and all these things. And I was just like, would y'all leave me alone? Like, I just, this y'all drive me nuts. And every couple months here, it would come again from like another person, or I would see a book about like, it just would not leave me alone. Um, and so I finally started diving into it, but at that point there was one book, like no websites or anything. This was 2008. Um, and it was just very wordy and very heavy and it just didn't really connect with me. Um, but over the next year it kept showing up over and over and over. Um, and normally like if I try to explain this to people, it just sounds crazy, but, um, the reality is like really how it happened. Um, I was looking at a chart one day and I had always kind of been looking at it in this same way of trying to sort of piece it together. Um, and there was a day I was looking at it and my eyes just saw differently of that. It was all fluid and it was all connected and it was energetic and it wasn't all these pieces being put together. It was a story. It was like being able to look at it through a different lens. Um, and then once I was able to see it differently, I was able to play with my own chart differently. And 
not going to lie. I was still resistant for a couple of years. I wouldn't like fully give in. I would just like dip my toe in using it and practicing with it and learning about it. But then my own life took a giant nosedive or hit some pretty hard rocks. And my chart is what mm. pulled me out of it. It was how I figured out what I actually needed and how I changed my life. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about it and talking about it um, to the point that I was like, oh, so maybe I should like be doing something with this and charging for this. But when I understood the bigger theme in my own chart and what I'm here to do and understood what I really love about human design is when it clicked of like, oh, this is why this tool wouldn't leave me alone. And this is why I'm doing this because this is actually my purpose. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been a long journey. It's been a long road of figuring it out. But ultimately, if I try and take my purpose into like a sentence, it's basically a person that takes complicated futuristic yeah. ideas and breaks them down in a digestible way to change people's point of view and move the world into a different direction. And so like the thing I love about human design is that nobody is the same. It's literally saying there is no one size fits all. We are all completely different we, you will never exist again. Mm. And to me, that idea is like the biggest thing, because if you really think about it, even just with the two of you, you've never been here. Like, it's just not possible for you to have been here before your combination of gifts and talents and life experience and all your highs and lows and everything that you've experienced mm. has another person ever had that combination and could another person ever have it again. And if you just imagine one little moment in your life that was special or unique to you alone or with another person, could that happen again? Like, no, think of all the variables and circumstances that would have to be right. And so it's that understanding that your value that you bring to your the world and your voice is so unique to you. And my hope and the reason I do it is because my belief is like, when each of us feels seen and understood and have the tools that we need to live out how we're built in our true value and authenticity, the the shift in the world, in my opinion, would be huge because mm. it's like all these tiny little cogs on a machine or all these little puzzle pieces that have all kind of felt out of place, but then being shifted to where they belong and where they want to be. And it's like, OK, well, who, what, what companies are started? What products are created? Who runs for office? Um, and it's it's that process of meeting with people individually every day from all over the world and just saying, this is how I see you and how I see your gifts and your wisdom and the things that you might struggle with. And I'm here to remind you that like no one else is here. And these are some ways for hopefully you to like leverage that and refine that and tap into it in a bigger way, not just for yourself, but also for your community and your family and all the people that you're here to have an impact on, you know? And I think one of the things we neglected to do from beginning is like, so you're telling us how human design helps us understand ourselves, but what is it? So basically there's like the simple version and the complicated version, right? The the simple version is it's a combination of ancient wisdom and modern science. It's taking all these different modalities, 
and bringing them together and creating an entirely new system. Deeper version of that would be that it's the science of neutrinos. We're looking at um, all the subatomic particles coming at Earth that your exact birth time and all the bits and pieces of information that are contained in it, which is why your exact birth date and time is so important. And sometimes you'll see just a minute or two difference in someone's birth time and their entire chart will change. Whereas like in astrology, there's like a window of time that you're going to fit into what we would consider your sun sign, right? And Mm -hmm. the thing about human design is it breaks down, like your starting point in human design is your energy type. It breaks down into five different energy types. And I think of energy type the same way someone would look at sun sign in astrology. So if you don't know much about astrology and you don't really know about the whole chart and all the houses and da 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 da, da you're going to know your sun sign because you're looking up your birth date, you're seeing where you fall in, you're looking up your horoscope. It's like this label, this title, this thing that you attach to, to, to start that journey of astrology. Hmm. Energy type in human design is the same way because there's five different types. There's manifestors, generators, manifesting generators, projectors, and reflectors. And everyone is going to fall into one of those five types. And that's the place that they want to start in trying to understand their own human design. Because if you just understand your energy type alone, you're going to have a basic understanding of your framework, how you make decisions, how you take in the world. Now, all that to say, you could have a hundred different projectors in the room and every single one of them is going to be different and is going to have different things that they need. So it's, it's to say that like, there's a lot of layers to it. This can get very deep. Each individual chart can have 10 to 15 hours of information specific to you, but not everyone wants the depth and wants all the understanding and just everyone knowing the three basic fundamentals of their chart just that alone is to me so transformational. Definitely. Um, so ultimately the system combines classic astrology, like Western astrology, the I Ching, the chakras, the tree of life. Um, but it also brings in like quantum physics in all different parts of modern science, which to me, that's why it's so different than astrology and Enneagram and numerology, because there's a very practical application when you really understand how to interpret it, because you can find very like practical, implementable things that are going to affect your daily life. Whereas at the same time, there's these huge themes of like your gifts and your talents and taking things that you probably know about yourself on some level, but you don't actually know how to put into words. Um, And being seen and understood in that type of way can just be so powerful for anyone. Like I know for me, when I first started understanding my chart, like the few most basic things in the beginning were some of the most impactful in how I actually live my life and what changed for me. Yeah. I I mean, I know that like listening to you describe the human design system as being this melding of ancient knowledge and also like scientific advancements that we've had in quantum physics and in, you know, understanding that like, I think so many people have an understanding of like 
I am made of stardust. Like I am a part of this ever expanding universe, like universe. Like that I know that I as a being, I don't I don't stand separate from this. Like I am actually probably in greater communion than I could probably even comprehend. Um, and I think that our culture today, like, has some understanding of, like, energy. You mentioned that the five energy types. And, you know, we we kind of can all understand, especially, you know, in, in the realm of sex and sexuality, we talk about chemistry, we talk about energy, we talk about, like, the feeling that we get from being in companionship or, you know, having a lover or, mm. you know, we talk about energy exchange. And yet what fascinates me is that, like, there isn't as a collective, a deeper knowledge to like understand how our individual energy works, because that is one of the gifts of human design, this, this deep understanding of, you know, down to things that are shockingly specific, like how you are designed to sleep, you know, how you are designed to like rest and how you are designed to be most productive in, in work and like, shockingly specific like that for me when I you know Anya introduced me to human design and gave me my type and the way you described seeing a chart and watching it like come alive for you my own design didn't come alive for me for months and then it was these very shockingly specific things about myself that I've always known that I was like oh my gosh like there is really something here for me I feel seen in this experience of looking at this chart. Um, and so you mentioned there are three things. And the first thing you mentioned is energy type. Mm -hmm. Share with us a little mm -hmm. bit about the other two things that can be really empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think that the top three thing, the like how I see your foundation is your energy type, which is those one of those five types that we were ta talking about. Um the authority, which I see authority as basically your inner compass, mm. if you will. Um, well, most of us are like, we hear things like go with your gut, follow your instinct. Da, 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 da. But the reality is that's different for all of us. Yeah. And so I think of inner compass as authority because it's showing us what your decision-making um, the home of your decision-making is the thing that's really ruling you. And then the third piece is profile. And I think of profile as like your personality. It takes into account your learning style, how you connect with others, how others perceive you. But to me, energy type authority and profile are the three fundamental pieces and the three pieces that if you learned nothing else, but those three things, you would learn a substantial amount about yourself and how you connect with others and even learning those three things about other people in your life yeah. is huge. It's massive. I just, I'm just like, so I think that people may be curious to learn more about what these five types are and like what differentiates them. It's funny before we do that, I just have one thing that popped in my head. So the way that Anya and I met is very conducive to both of our charts. And we can get into that um, if we want to touch on profile a little bit at some point or after energy type. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to mention that because um, it's such a tiny little thing, but like I am more open to conversations with 
random people in public places and strangers and people I've never met and just standing in a coffee shop, whatever. It's part of my chart. People that have a five in their profile connect easily with strangers and lovers, with anyone, with people from any part of life. And oftentimes your best friends and the people that you're really meant to meet, you'll just randomly meet like at a trade station and at a hair salon. So it makes me laugh that that's how this happened and how we met. And I just automatically felt so connected to you, Anya. So um, in hindsight and just having this conversation, I'm like, how silly is it that something so natural and so in alignment with both of our charts is how this whole connection even happened. And what's even funnier too, is that Scarlett also has a five in her chart. And right. so it just all, it, it is very interesting to how it works because I would say I think I know enough about how Scarlett's encounters with people have come about too where like it's the same for all of us like mm -hmm. we meet who we are yeah. meant to meet when we're meant to meet them yeah. and it just works that way and we have the ability of connecting in very deeply very quickly mm -hmm. it's almost like there is a resonance and a frequency mm -hmm. that we're operating at that can that can identify the people very quickly are going yeah. to kind of be a part of, of, of our layer of frequency. And I don't know, the five thing was fascinating to me the other night. Yeah. There's like a whole quality with that, that we can get into that we can chat about later. But yeah, I mean, one of my dearest girlfriends in the entire world that I've been friends with for many, 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 many years. Like I'll be friends with her until we're 90. We met at a dive at a dive bar in Texas one night, like, <laughs> literally was one of the craziest experiences, but it was like, I walked in and she walked in and it mm -hmm. was like, oh, there you are. It was like, we had known each other. <gasps> it was the craziest. And looking back, I always laugh at like my dearest girlfriend in the whole world was just hiding from me in a, yeah. you know, little dive bar in a small Texas town. Like it was just, you know, who would have thought? Well, should we just break down the energy types and see how it goes? Yeah, we can give everybody a quick little intro to what each of those is. And then yeah, see where we go from there. So we'll start with manifestors just because, you know, I don't know. It makes the most sense to me to start with manifestors. Um, manifestors are only about 8% of the population. So they are the second most rare in all of human design. Manifestors are trailblazers. Manifestors are here to start a movement, spark a fire, get things moving, initiate things, inform the rest of us about what they are doing. And I um, I get really excited when I get to read charts from mm. manifestors because to me, there's like a different responsibility with it because manifestors are the ones that come in, have an impulse for an idea or something that they have to do, and they have all the energy they need within them to make it happen. Um, they have inconsistent energy levels. And so sometimes people can misperceive manifestors because they'll like have tons of energy and be running circles around people. And then they'll need downtime and they'll go through these highs and lows. But the biggest thing with manifestors is they can't be told what to do. In fact, don't tell them what to do. They should never be told what to do. Um, it's all about them honoring their own impulses and informing everybody else what they're off to start because 
when they do that, they prime the world around them for what's about to happen. And they make it available for those that want to be a part of their story and a part of what they're creating that they can come along. Um, but oftentimes manifestors experience a lot of rejection or feel like people don't understand them, feel like they've been caged. Um, and the biggest thing for a manifestor is instead of paying attention to the rejection and the people that don't like you or don't get you, it's all about noticing where you're making yourself small, where you're putting yourself in a box and realizing mm. that that's, it's not meant for you that like, you're, you're meant to be unleashed. You're meant to be your true self. And it's more important to honor the trail they're blazing and not be so concerned about who's coming along for the ride than to be worried about like what everyone thinks about the trail they're blazing. Manifestors typically, um, the idea is like they're coming in and they're starting something, but they're not necessarily sticking around to like see that thing through to the end or keep it going. Um, they have to be willing though, to stick their neck out, to bring something to life that maybe only they can see. And so if we look at famous manifestors, like the, you know, writer of Harry Potter and, um, you know, Gloria Steinem that like basically started the feminist movement, like she's not at all the marches and, you know, at every, you know, event that's happening, but she was mm. the one that, or one of the ones, not the only, but that stuck her neck out and spoke up and that ability to stick your neck out and start that fire is what inspires all these other energy types to go, oh, that's what I want. And if manifestors don't stick their neck out to initiate that, it, it's there's like a stalling. There's They're really holding them, themselves back from their own growth and their own impact, but also like what everyone else is going to receive from them and what everyone else is going to be inspired for by them. Um, so huge, huge, huge energy with manifestors. Um, they have the biggest reach of anyone, um, but they really have to be mindful of like when they feel angry, when they feel caged and notice that that's the like stop sign, the red flag that they're showing up in a way they don't want to be, or they're saying yes to something they don't want to be saying yes to. That's so fascinating. I'm really glad you started with manifestors because my son is a manifester and he really went to central manifester. And I, I just love that you said at some point, like you shouldn't tell a manifester what to do. Right. And oh. it is really interesting because as a parent who cares mm. about human design, who loves it, who really like, I just find it so juicy. Mm. When I learned about his energy type, it taught me how to parent him too. Oh yeah. Oh, it completely changed how I parent my son. Yeah. Who he is. It just, it, and, and I wouldn't want him to show up in the world any mm. differently, but he can be very polarizing. I will say parenting a manifester is one of the more challenging things. Mm. Like I do a lot of readings for parents and of their children's charts and families and stuff like that. And anytime I open up, a family's, you know, all their charts. When there's a kid manifester, like there's a big conversation we're having about raising a manifester because it's, it's a big deal. It's like saying that your child came into this world already knowing how to parent themselves. They don't really need you, yep. but you're there, 
you know, but it's like, how can you support this child in their bigness and their vision? Because ultimately a manifester is the energetic leader. It does not matter if they are the child or the parent or the whatever. And so the reason that's so important is because what they feel and what they, their belief and their feeling is what is going to happen for the whole unit, right? So it's like, if y'all make plans to do something and the child's like really excited about it, but then all of a sudden it comes time to do that thing and they just really don't want to do it anymore. If you force them to go do that thing, the whole family is going to suffer. Right. And it's like really honoring that they're the leader and like, they just really don't want to do it anymore. And if you let them follow that instinct and that feeling even if you have to change plans and you go here and they stay here, whatever happens when everyone comes back together or when everyone shifts to this, whatever the new decision has been, um, there's a peace. There's like an actual understanding. Um, and it's just, they're the, their energy is the biggest. So that's, that's the pool. Cause it's the spark. Yeah, no, I love it. Everything you said so spot on. And I've, I've wow. loved digging into his chart. It's super fun. Yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, good for you. It's a, what a lucky kid though, to have a mom that's aware of all that. And especially as a manifester, cause he will thrive and, um, like grow and grow and grow beyond what conditioning would have allowed, you know? Yeah. So do y'all want to go into generators and then we can like bridge it all together? Yeah. Um, so generators are one of the most common, the biggest, um, parts of our population are generators and manifesting generators. They make up like, you know, more than 50% of our population, the two of them. Um, generators are the ones that are ruled by their gut, meaning that when they do what turns them on, when they do what they love, it energizes them, it inspires them, and it creates so much energy within them that it attracts people that want that. It attracts people that just have to be close to that energy. It's magnetic. It's um, uplifting, inspiring, all those things. But the biggest thing with generators is when they say yes to things that they're not turned on by, that they're hesitating and they're dreading, that they feel like they have to do, it exhausts them, it drains them, it depletes them. And it also does that to their environment, to the people around them. And it'll keep bringing more of the types of things that they just said yes to into their life. So when I meet a generator that feels stuck and frustrated and like they just don't know what's going on with their life and they don't even like any of the people around them and they don't even know how they got here and why is this my job? Like that is a generator that has been stuck in their conditioning where mm. they've been told that they have to suffer to be successful. They have to put themselves last and they've been listening to what everybody else wants of them saying, yes, 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 yes. And it's like one day you wake up and you realize you're like sitting in a flooded house. that's like up to your ankles, but you just didn't notice because it was like this slow drip. And then all of a sudden you're like in a flooded house. Like that to me is like a condition generator. Cause they just, yes, yes, yes. Thinking it means nothing. And then it's like the repercussion of, oh my God, I don't like my life and I'm frustrated. And I'm depleted. Um, so the biggest thing for generators is their yes and no's yes. And no is their tool to alignment and being able to be in their bodies and notice what is actually turning you on. What is actually exciting you? Not 
by what's in your head, not by what you think, but being present enough in your body that you feel the visceral response. You feel chills, you feel a squeal, you jump, you have a some kind of a response. And that, you know, to me, that actually is what is one of the biggest intersections between the work that y'all are doing is because with all of human design, we have to be in our bodies. We have to be in our physical experience. Mm -hmm. If we are in our head, it doesn't matter what your energy type is, manifestor, generator, anything. If you're so in your head or so in the story or so outside of yourself, whatever your energy type yeah. is and whatever your inner compass is, you're not going to feel it. Yes. You're like, you can't, you know? And so that's the biggest thing with generators. The most common thing that you'll hear is if it's not a full body, yes, it's a no. And that's what you're going to hear for generators and manifesting generators, which we'll get into mangents. But I got to say that like in human design, you hear ruled by your gut. And most of us know like gut instinct, but in human design, gut and instinct are two different things. And so when we're talking about gut, we're talking about the physical feeling being pulled towards something. I want that. I have to have that. And that's what you want to notice. I just think it's important for people to understand that sometimes it's a little tiny sensation. Sometimes it's a little tiny feeling. And so personally, if it's not a full body, yes, it's a no is not like my favorite phrase. Um, I like to think about it of, does it turn you on? Like somebody could be listening to this podcast and they're just driving down the road and they've never heard about human design or they've never heard about something we're talking about. And then all of a sudden they're like, Ooh, like what it's, you know, what did Scarlett just say? And they like turn it up and they sit up a little taller in their car and their chair. That's a visceral response. But most of us would dismiss it because we'd mm. be like, well, who cares? And what's that? And we don't notice that what actually happened was our soul just got excited and turned on by something outside of ourselves. Maybe it was the topic on the podcast. Maybe it was the podcast host and her lifestyle, or maybe it was the podcast itself and we want our own. But it's like being able to notice that visceral response is signaling you towards what your soul actually desires if you're willing to be in the present and feel it. Mm. Just understanding it's not always going to be this really loud thing. Sometimes it's a tiny little whisper or smelling something delicious or whatever. And it doesn't mean you're going to say yes to every single thing that comes your way. Right. But also, if we all look back, like if you ask a generator or a man gen to look back on some of those moments in their life that were just like, they were meant to be there. They were meant to meet that person. Oftentimes it's a little tiny decision. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I just got off at the wrong train stop or, oh, I just had to go into this bakery and started talking to this person or, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, of that. And I think in our heads, we think it's always going to be this massive thing and changing a job and moving cities and we just can't miss it. And it's like, no, we got to give ourselves permission to realize how wise our bodies are and that ignoring that and numbing it and disconnecting from it is only making that alignment more challenging. It is so in alignment. So then we can combine mangens and this will probably make a little bit more sense. So manifesting generators are a combination of manifestors and generators. And so if you think about like manifestors are very spontaneous and playful and all these ideas and things coming at them. <clears throat> and then generators mm. have this, this burning, you know, this following their desires and stoking their fire and this 
magnetism and this energetic about them. <clears throat> Those two things come together for mangens and it makes them very multi-passionate. Mangens are the ones that you can't describe them. You can't, there's no mold for them. They're the square peg in the round hole. They break the mold. Yeah. And they're the ones that do things in a way that's never been done before and combine things together that you normally wouldn't see put together. And they create something entirely new. And it's beautiful to watch Manjin stories because when they embrace their willingness to pivot, when they embrace their freedom to be multi-passionate and just trust that whatever's most exciting to them, whatever's turning them on the most, that's right in front of them, if they trust that, if they trust that their desires are leading the way, they will create something that's never been created in a way you've never seen and all of this madness. Um, but oftentimes man gens feel like they just don't know who they are and they just don't know what they want. And why can't I just stick to something? And why can't I make a decision? And everyone else seems to be able to stick on a straight line. But a man gen is not built for a straight line. Like success for them is all over the place. And it's not just A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So it's really beautiful to look at famous mansions and to look at people that have lived out this framework because you see example after example of shifts in our world of what we thought was possible. And then this mansion came in and now we've changed our idea of what we think is possible because we've seen something else. Um, the biggest thing for them is still listening to their gut, doing the things that fully turn them on. I think one of the biggest differences in generators and mangens is that mangens are going to be way more multi-passionate typically. Um, generators can be, but there's usually going to be like a connecting thread throughout the theme of their life. Whereas a mangen will likely be really successful in multiple industries and blend things together. There's not as often just kind of this one singular thread throughout their whole life. Um, but both of them really thrive with yes and no questions with actually having choice in life. Because if you call a generator or a mangen and say, hey, let's go to lunch, you know, um, they can't make a decision. They want to go everywhere. They want to do everything. They want to travel and do it all. And um, they need something to actually put in their experience and see if their physical body responds to. And when they have endless options, they can't differentiate what's actually turning them on. But if you say, you know, do you want to go out for noodle bowls or tacos? They can tell you what's turning them on because they're able to respond to that physical experience of, ooh, does a noodle bowl sound good? Does that make sense? I mean, I'm a man gen. I'm the quintessential man gen. You so. are. <laughs> For me, absolutely. And when you, I, I mean, I've known this for a long time. When I gave myself permission mm -hmm. to not have to be linear and to not just like one thing, I'm the queen of like, oh, I'm going to take this human design course. I'm going to take this astrocartography course. I'm going to take this Akashic Records course, but I'm also a lawyer and I'm also mm -hmm. an HR executive. And yeah. I also, oh, I want to be a coach. Well, I don't just want to just be like only do sex coaching. I want to do mm -hmm. life coaching and I want to do career coaching and I want to do all the things. And so you're speaking my language 150%. <laughs> and having the freedom to do that because right yeah. now you don't know how they're all going to blend together and you're not supposed to because you're yeah. supposed to just be investing into the thing that's turning you on the most right now and knowing that as long as it's turning you on, 
it has something for you to learn, an opportunity for you, someone for you to meet. There is something there for you. It's why it's still turning you on. But being able to notice when you're showing up for something for a period of time, like you keep showing up for something that's not turning you on consistently. It's not just like a bad day. It's like, oh, I just keep doing this thing I'm not excited by. That's mm -hmm. what you got to notice as a manjin because it's a huge waste of your wisdom, your energy, your gifts. And it's more important to adjust the way you're showing up to find that excitement again. If it's something that's still meant for you to stop doing it, to pivot, to, to open yourself up to that ability to be turned on, even if it means, well, I only did this thing for a year and now I'm moving to something else. Well, yeah, but five years from mm. now, you're going to look back and be like, oh, that's why I did that. Because I had to learn this and this and this. And then they all came together. And now I'm doing this thing that never even existed. And no one said I could do. And like, it was so affirming some of the, from our reading, like some of the, in, cause I, I'm a different energy type. We'll get to mine, <laughs> get to mine, but some of the knowings that you shared and some of the insight you were able to give us about like how I can show up in support of Anya in her energy type yes. has been so incredible. Like understanding the depth of her process and understanding, just like you said, that she needs to lean into and really hear that gut instinct in order to respond in like her highest alignment. It was like incredible. It was, I, these are things I've known about her mm -hmm. as my dear friend, but it it gives this, this mm -hmm. underpinning of this, okay, this is how I can receive like the full woman that she is and support the full woman that she is and like really see how everything is being held together in the schema of our relationship and the way our energy mm. exchanges with one another and that has felt really good yeah so like yeah. there is in human design this like framework to see hold and know the people that you love and care about mm. and want to build things with and, and want to change things mm. with you can hold awareness for them in such a different way than anything I've ever mm. encountered in my life and Holding awareness for people is literally like what I do. Oh, totally. <laughs> as we'll get into. So, like, yeah, that's I'm really saying something there. Totally. I think it's a really big deal to be able to even just know the basics of our friends' charts. I mean, granted, I've geeked out on all of my friends. They're probably like, don't send me any more voice memos. I got it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I love knowing that, like you know, if one of my closest friends is a manjin and we make plans and she needs to cancel, like, I love knowing that she's doing what she needs to do. And it has nothing to do with me. And that me loving her and supporting her means saying, sweet, thanks for letting me know. Like, let's, let's catch up soon. I love you. Because I know that if she goes against what she's most turned on by in that moment, right. that even though she loves me and we had originally made plans and now she's canceling on me. And if she forced herself to stick to it, it wouldn't be the best use of her time and her energy and herself. And it has nothing to do with me. It's just her journey and her, you know, and by respecting that when we come back together and it is an alignment and it is a true yes for her, we're going to have the best freaking day ever. And it will have been just what it needed to be for both of us. Um, I think it's a big deal to be able to respect the people in our lives for who they really are. Because when I ask myself, like, what quality of 
friendships and relationships do I want? I mean, I know for me, safety is like such a huge thing. Mm. And for me to feel safe in my relationships, I have to feel like I can be my true self. I have to feel like I can speak up for what I need and that my boundaries are going to be respected. And I, I got to feel like I'm with people that would speak my name in a room full of opportunities, that they have my best interest at heart the same way I do theirs. And that to me is like the real feeling of safety. And I think part of it is being able to also give that to the people that we love. How can we respect how they take in the world and what they need to feel safe and grounded and seen and all those things, you know, whether it's a close friend or a family member or our lover of, of that level of depth and, and understanding. Mm, so rich. All right. Let's home <laughs> with projectors and reflectors and then we're going to talk sex. So projectors. Oh my God. Go on forever. Okay. Projectors have not like always been around, you know, um, I think about how projectors are coming in and they see things completely different than everyone else. I think about manifestors and mansions and generators being like on the ground floor. Like if we're all in a forest, manifestors and mansions and generators are like elephants and tigers and lions and all the animals on the ground, you know? And then the projectors are like the wise owls and eagles and these like wise birds up in the branches. And your laugh right now is hilarious, Scarlett. I have an owl tattoo on my back. Do you really? Yeah. We're going to go ahead and rip the bandaid off and say, Scarlett is a projector. <laughs> yes, I am. That was so like of all the birds that you could choose, you chose an owl like... I always think of them that way. Well, it just helps me remember like, okay, projector, you come in and it's not that you're not going to create things. You are going to create things, but I see it as you're taking the things that already exist and improving them and tweaking them and making them more efficient. So most of your creations are from taking something and going, "Eh, -eh, this isn't how this should be. Like, let me change this, you know? Um, And so that's where I think the other point of view, the bird's eye perspective is so important because if all the rest of us are like down here on the ground floor, which reflectors we'll get to in a second, they aren't on the ground floor or in the branches. But um, if we're all down here on the ground floor, like walking through the trees to go get our water and whatever, you're up here on the branches being like, hey, morons, like you're taking the long route, like go this way and your walk to water will be an hour instead of six hours. Like, hello, but nobody else can see it because we're we're going that we're just on this floor, you know? And so to me, it's all about what are the things that drive you nuts? What are the things that you can't stop talking about, that you can't stop thinking about? What are the things you look at in the world and you're like, why is everyone doing it this way? Like there's a way easier way. You're built to improve things, tweak things, always make things more efficient. But as a projector, you don't have consistent energy levels. You are not built for an all day burn, an all day hustle. Let me just go, go drive after everything. And I will say that there's like different levels of this for projectors. Some projectors have more motivation than others, need a little bit more like get up and go than others. Some projectors are like, put me in a row, put me on the couch, like I'm good. Others, that sounds like annoying too. Um, So I think about projectors in terms of like their input and their output, their movement and their recovery. 
I find that when you can really balance those out where you have a lot more input time, downtime, inward time, creation time, recovery time, that all of your connections to your insights and your wisdom become much stronger. But sometimes that input time and downtime recovery time might not just be laying on the couch. Like you could be reading books and sitting in the sauna and da, 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 da. like you're still investing into yourself and, you know, seeing your gifts and seeing your wisdom. It doesn't mean you're just like doing nothing. But if you try and operate like a generator or a mangin and just go, 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 go and burn the candle at both ends, you will naturally end up in adrenal burnout and fatigue. And then you're not going to be connected to your niche at all. So you can kind of see this theme throughout all of them of take the connection to the body away, take the connection to your awareness and what's physically going on and things go haywire. And it's in different yeah. ways and in different forms and different places of awareness. But that that piece is so essential. The last thing I'll say on that is that the really big, 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 huge thing with projectors and this is something that um, so often is missed, is for you to be successful, you have to see yourself as the wise person that is the go-to person in these certain things. You have to be willing to embrace that you see something differently in the world, that you're passionate about something, that you care about something. And if you dismiss your gifts and your wisdom and your insight, Nobody else is ever going to see it and they're not going to want to hear it. And you're going to feel like you're misunderstood and nobody gets you. The only way you'll ever really feel connected to that success and really feel seen and abundant in the way that you're meant to is to actually see yourself, embrace it and like relish in it, like really see it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I am such a classic projector too. I know. And I, I'm aware of the difference projector energy types but like what I said at the beginning of the episode perhaps makes a lot more sense because recognition is so huge as a projector it's 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 so necessary for our uh, energy to work and for us to you know take correct invitations which allows the theme of my of, of my the theme of projectors is success like we we have this incredible capacity for success based on what we see yeah. not what we do and like and it's success based on your terms. Right. Not society. Not societies. Terms. Not and being whatsoever. clear on like, what is that feeling? Because I think we hear the word success and we think one thing, but for you, that feeling could just be feeling really seen and connected to your purpose and impactful. And like it may not be a number on a bottom line or right. Like there's a lot of different ways to interpret these feelings of alignment in, in all of us and all the different energy types. But ultimately, I think for all of us, it's when we're in that place of true connection where we lose track of time because we're so in our in ourselves, you know, where we're just so blissful, so peaceful, so satisfied that we kind of come in. So should we do reflectors real quick and then get deeper into the sex thing? Yeah, before we do... I want to talk about a, an experience Anya and I had when we looked up one of our beloved friends. <laughs> we looked up his chart and we did we found out that he was a reflector. And I oh, I like we both like lit up in such a way and he was like what well, well, what does that mean? What is that? a reflector? 
<laughs> we're like i literally looked at him i said you are everything and nothing i just looked at him with all knowing in the world and i was like you are everything and nothing and, and he was like, <laughs> actually like i think i i'm getting that somewhere it's like amazing so tell us about the beautiful reflectors on the wall. well i'm curious i actually have some questions first because you have a reflector so what is your experience with him been like? Do you find that he's um, really sensitive or like takes things in different ways than other people? Have you gotten like interesting insights from him? Like what's your experience with this person been like? Just curious. I would say that he is an incredibly sensitive person in the sense that sensitive to others in how he relates to them mm -hmm. and wants to be sure that he's showing up for them in the ways that they might need. He understands energy. He definitely can chameleon to like whatever the vibration of the moment needs to be. He can be there and he can meet it. He's not sensitive in the sense that he does not take things personally. He is very like able to know who he is in the midst of anything which is really interesting wow. based on what I have read about reflectors because I, I he's he's only the second reflector I've met and he's only the second reflector or the first reflector I actually know and so my right. that's my experience of him and just like the warmest person but also definitely needs to have alone time and actually spends a significant amount of his life pretty alone um and I think that's part of how he can know himself so well because he's not always in other people's energy yeah it's it's a great the conversation on reflectors is wild I have a reflector that's in my daily life in my regular life and you know I've that relationship with reflectors has changed a lot over the years for me because at one point it was just the couple that I knew here and there and then became like a, a more regular part of my life. And then I have quite a few clients that are also reflectors. So just over the years, kind of learning more through their experience and what I know already. And the thing about reflectors is they're literally about 1% of the population. Like you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to be able to count on one hand, all the reflectors you're going to have in your life if if even they fill a hand. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is their chart is completely undefined, meaning that they have gifts and talents and wisdom. But in human design terms, we have energy centers and energy centers are going to give you motivation and pressure and your energy, your motor, get things moving, your emotions, all of these different things within us that are consistent. And every energy type has at least two energy centers defined, except for reflectors. Reflectors have zero defined. And it makes it where they're the only non-energy being. They're actually ruled by the moon. And so a, a reflector can't force themselves to come to a decision. A reflector can't 
operate in the same way as the other 99% of the world. And ultimately knowing that is oftentimes one of the biggest gifts for a reflector, because it's like, you are not like 99% of people. And the experience you're having is not like 99% of the people and 99% of the people will never be able to understand what it's like to be in your shoes. Because ultimately a reflector can feel the world 10 times more amplified than it is being experienced by everyone else on every aspect, stress, pressure, emotion, desire, fear, instinct, identity, thoughts, opinions, creativity, inspiration. And so it makes it where the quality of their life is literally determined by the quality of the people around them. The, The five people closest to that reflector And the sum of those five people will be exactly what their life feels like. And it's just the reality of the way that they feel and the way that they take care of themselves is so important because when they focus on feeling good and resting and having high quality foods and environments and all the things that they love, it keeps them connected to themselves so that they can actually be out in the world with all the sensitivities and then take the time to come back to themselves and reset because ultimately they are neutral. They are nothingness. But if they try to identify and attach to all these things around them, it can really pull themselves out of their own experience when they stay in it. So oftentimes what this is like the most common thing I see is Technically, reflectors need to be like in the middle of our society. They're super wise. They're sages because they are literally showing the rest of us what's actually going on. They are mirroring back to us what's really happening in the world. But when they aren't well taken care of and they don't have the tools and the means to like move through that sensitivity and use it in a powerful way, they can't even begin to share those insights or be in the middle of a society. And so most reflectors get super overwhelmed by all the shit and they just feel like I'm too sensitive and I'm too this and I can't handle all this. And so they pull back, they retreat. It's it's one of those things of like being able to love on reflectors and support reflectors and be okay with all of their sensitivities and all of their feelings and all of the like particular things that they need in their life to allow them to reset and manage the chaos of what how they're experiencing the world. It's a tricky thing too, because most reflectors experience it on the extreme end of the spectrum, where it's like, I feel it all and I'm taking it all and da, da, da. And they forget or don't know how to practice the other end of the spectrum where they become nothing, where they can go out and into the world and be a completely blank slate and like not taking on anything and being in the emptiness because that sensitivity is so extreme that most of us, when we're in a place of sensitivity, we go in and attach to it instead of allowing ourselves to witness it and not like be totally in it. Mm. Um, The number one thing I usually recommend, like the thing that I think is the most powerful for a reflector is if they're feeling off or like not totally feeling like themselves to just flip everything on its head, like go eat somewhere they would never eat and 
have a food they would never have and listen to music they never listen to and go to a new neighborhood and go be super spontaneous. It's like they have to go put themselves in a form of experience or um, like a type of identity and self-expression that's not how they actually see themselves. Because when a reflector starts identifying with like, this is who I am and this is how I dress and this is da, 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 it actually is like, can make them feel claustrophobic and stuck and not like themselves. It's like, no, you got to come back to neutral and keep resetting. And if they catch themselves putting themselves in a box and like trying to fit into this track, it's like, no, shake it up. Like if you love a reflector, go surprise them and take them somewhere they've never been and do something super spontaneous for them. That's like in a different ambiance or environment or something than what they've been around. And they'll just be like, ah, we'll be all delighted and like tickled to death that like all the the newness and the surprise and the way it pulls something out of them. Meeting. Yeah. Well, darlings, that is a bit of an abrupt ending and not exactly what we intended for the episode, but we were having so much fun recording with Taylor and we just couldn't get enough of the conversation. So rather than keeping you here captivated for the next 30 or 40 minutes as we finish the episode out, we're going to leave you hanging with part one and we will be back next week with part two, where we'll be focusing a lot more sexuality and human design and embodiment and all of the things that you come to the Flaming Yoni to hear week after week. Be sure to take a look in the show notes. Taylor did provide us with some excellent resources on how you can find out your completely unique human design. Anya and I believe that everyone should be empowered with this life-changing information about your human design chart. And this may be the start of a really transformative journey for you. So take a look on the show notes. And as always, visit us at theflamingyoni.com to check in with additional resources there. Thanks for spending some time in the Yoniverse with us. We adore our listeners and we'd love to connect more deeply with you. Find us on our website, theflamingyoni.com, and our socials are in the show notes. Before you leave the Yoniverse, be sure to give us a five-star rating and don't forget the review. Your feedback means the world to us. We can't wait to light your world on fire next week. And in the meantime, stay sacred and stay salacious.